And the yeah. worst part was that his wife um, sent me a text later that day saying how great my legs looked in the dress. <laughs> Hi, and welcome back to the Irish Tennis Updates podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in again. Today, I am lucky enough to be joined by uh, Peter Bothwell. Peter has a career-high singles ranking of 602. He's currently in the top 500 in the world in doubles. Um, the highlight of his career so far was winning the Irish Open in 2018, um, which is a really, really good achievement. Um, d- during the chat, we talk about what it was like being at an event when tennis was cancelled due to COVID-19, uh, how visualisation turned his form around on the singles court, um, what it was like playing Daniil Medvedev and Stefanos Tsitsipas, uh, before they made it big. Uh, his memories of that title run in Carrick Mines 2018, why he had to wear a tennis dress, and much more. So I hope you will enjoy this chat, and make sure you stick around for the end to hear the rest of that uh, story about the dress. It's a good one, so um, make sure you stick around to the end to hear the rest of it. All right, enjoy. All right, so Pete, if you could have one superpower, what would you choose and why? Uh, so yeah, I thought about this tennis related and I have to say mind control. Uh, it'd be ideal if I knew where my opponent was going to hit the tennis ball. Yeah. That would, that would make life a little bit easier. I could see that coming in handy, all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would make it a lot easier, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so just how, how are you coping at the moment? How's, how's uh, the lockdown kind of treated you the last few weeks? Yeah, it's, it's not been bad. I mean, um, the weather's been amazing, which has really helped. So I've been able to get a lot of training in and working outside in the sun has definitely been good for the mind. Uh, I've been trying to get out as much as possible. You know, you're meant to have your one bit of daily exercise a day. So I've been out walking the dog with my mum every day um, and just trying to have little routines daily just to keep my mind active and keep me as busy as possible. Um, I get very, I'd say, anxious or just sitting around doing nothing uh, would make me go a little bit crazy. So uh, there has been areas of my game that I've been able to work on in this time as well. Uh, and then trying to maintain or even get my fitness levels to a better level as well has, has been one of my goals. You know, I know something that you're, you know, that's keeping you busy at the moment is your work with, with Soto Tennis. So I'm just interested in, mm-hmm. I guess, what, what you're doing with them at the moment. And also just going back, what, where did that kind of relationship start uh, for you with, with them? Yeah, um, so I'll go back. It, it started um, probably about eight years ago. Uh, I was playing on the Malahide first team at the time. And they had a guy, an English guy on the team, Nathan Rooney, who was working in Dublin a little bit at the time. And um, we got a good connection there. And he said that he wanted to coach me. So like uh, the following year, he was heading out to Soto um, to start coaching there full time. So I did my GCSE and then I went out there with him. Uh, I didn't go out and visit it at all. I just put my eggs on one basket, yeah. just went out. And obviously I'm still training there now. Um, and then, yeah, with the online stuff, they, um, they set up Google Classroom about four or five weeks ago. Um, and I, I look, I've been doing a lot of work on the mental side of the game anyway. So I'm look, lucky that I work with mentally tough tennis, uh, Anthony, Dr. Anthony Ross, who works okay. with a couple of top under tennis players. Um, so I've been doing a lot of work with him and that's tied in with the sort of work. So just been looking at, you know, game, my, my game style, 
certain tactics to play and when, just trying to become tactically more aware, understanding the game a little bit more. Um, what do you think is the biggest benefit that, that Soto have had to you over the, the years you've been with them? It's uh, a good question, actually. Um, you know, they've just guided me. Like when I went out there, I was 17 or just, just turning 17. Okay. So, you know, they guided me turning into a man and the, the person I am today. And, and a big philosophy at the academy is there, there is that they're trying to create good people, not just good tennis players, you know. So not everyone is going to be top 100 in the world tennis player or, or do this. But, you know, you can use your tennis to, to help you in other areas of life, you know, whether you go to university or whether you stop after your junior career. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of attributes you can use from your tennis in later life as well or in a different job. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm interested as well. You were, um, you, I think you, you were playing an event when the when all the events were cancelled that that week back in in mm-hmm. March. So how was uh, how was it being? And you were still in the draw, I think, in Dublin. So how was it? Uh, how was that week? Kind of having everything just called off, you know. So 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 so. Yeah. It was. It was honestly the weirdest feeling. Um, yeah. It was like when it happened, everyone kind of just sat down and didn't really know what to do. Like. Uh, and then I was on the phone to my mum and dad, like, oh, it's just been cancelled. So basically, like, um, I lost singles that day. Um, okay. Yeah, I went for food. I was coming back. I was watching another guy that I trained with. And then, like, there was a few people started to talk. And, and then literally halfway through that guy's match, the ref came out and was just like, yeah, everything's cancelled. Um, which, was, which was such a weird feeling. Like, I talked to Simon Carr a lot that week because he was at another tournament. Uh, he was a challenger in South Africa at the time. Mm. And the ATP were giving out a little bit more information or what was going on. So we were kind of talking every night and we were saying like, yeah, I mean, this is the last week for sure. Whether we get through this week, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah, kind of as soon as that happened, my first thought was, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be stuck in Portugal. And luckily the Algarve where we were, there was only two cases. I okay, think so. Okay. So it wasn't, it was easy for me to get out, get home. I just, my first thought was, okay, when, when is the first flight? I actually had to wait a day as well. So even, even waiting that day, I was, I don't know whether I was panicking a little, thinking like, oh, imagine if they close the airport, what am I going to do there? Spain's like Spain's in a worse position. I can't drive there. So, so I kind of just praying that the airport stayed yeah. open and I could get home. But, but yeah, luckily I could. So, so it was grand in the end. Yeah, so I guess then looking forward a bit then, how would you see the rest of the year maybe getting back to even just hitting, I mean, you probably haven't hit any balls really. How would you expect to get back to some tennis and then, I mean, competition-wise, probably looking into 2021, what, what do you expect? Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, I've barely hit a tennis ball. Uh, a few people have asked me to do a couple of videos, so maybe I've volleyed against the wall yeah. or yeah. I don't know, volleyed back and forth to my brother. But yeah, uh, I don't know, we don't have access to any courts, any courts around yeah, here. Okay. Um, yeah, honestly, I I think tennis, well, certainly ITF, ATP maybe is, is done for the rest of the year. I really struggle to see how they're going to get tournaments going. Um, ideally, probably need a vaccination. Yeah. Or it's just really difficult. You know, travel is going to be really difficult. Um, I have heard that, like, the Spanish Federation are, are going to maybe put on, like, a national league for, for their top players. And I know they're going to do that in, in the UK as well. Um, yeah. so at least players can make some some money then um, so you know maybe if it does clear up in Ireland later in the year they might tournaments that were meant to be on over the summer maybe they can be put on a little later in the year just to give us some competition you know because 
I mean, personally for me, it gets boring just practicing all the time. Yeah. You know? uh, so it's uh, it's that's why you that's why you play sport to get out of yeah. the match court. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe they can do something like that. Um, you know, you know, obviously, um, I saw Tennis Island got a her sent out a, an email today or or on Twitter there about the new regulations, maybe the eighteenth of May or something like yeah, that. But yeah, uh, obviously, it's going to be very gradual. Uh, just we're going to have to be sensible, I guess, going getting back on court. Yeah, I think that's what's tricky about having those international events is that there are people coming from all over and. You know, it has to mean that every country can travel within, every, you know, to every other country. Otherwise, it wouldn't, you know, you couldn't, you'd be excluding certain players. Yeah, exactly. Based on their country. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah no, super, yeah. super tough that way. And and, mm. and even they were like talking about, oh, so you could just stick ITFs on and, and like North Africa because they don't really care. And, you know, they just want money in uh, for those organizations anyway. But like, if you did that, um, Guy, top guys are going to be playing you know like guys like 150 200 yeah. like all of a sudden futures is just going to be nails like it's going to be so difficult to win matches it's just going to turn into like a challenger basically yeah if other if higher tournaments aren't on um yeah so it's really it's really difficult you know how do you how do you stop social distancing at tournaments you know like they're not some venues are quite tight there's maybe three courts everyone's trying to hustle to get on a practice court and yeah so it's just it's just really difficult yeah no it is tough to see um i'm just another thing i wanted to ask you was um i saw there a few weeks ago you talked a bit about visualization and how you've used that um in recent mm-hmm. kind of months i guess uh, prior to to the lockdown so how so exactly what have you kind of been using it for and, and how has it helped you do you think yeah so basically it, it all started um from about September last year, I went on a horrendous uh, losing streak. I think it was like 15, 16 matches in a row in singles. Yeah. And doubles was fine, you know. I always, when I went on the doubles court, because I was playing for someone else, not just myself, Yeah, I, I was somehow able to put my mind in a different place. And, you know, I didn't want to let them down. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I've always enjoyed t- the team aspect. But, um, yeah, basically, um, I'd always been pretty good mentally on court I always felt like I was a good fighter on court um, but yeah I just went on this run and I was trying so hard like practicing was I would say was all right and I was but that was the thing I think I was trying so hard and yeah. then putting so much pressure on myself that as soon as I went on the match court and like something slipped away or I went down it was like I was on top of myself like sh- like aggressively talking to myself Okay. Um, and then I had a really serious conversation with my coach Dan Kiernan at the start of the year and um, I had a meltdown uh, on court after I lost in qualies in Mallorca I, I basically burst into tears like I was like I can't I can't, I can't do this anymore like I can't handle, okay, can't handle right. my mind you know yeah. um, and then you know he, he asked me some really serious questions and you know we, we got down to the truth about it and 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 then that's when I started using the mentally tough tennis guy more um, and looking into meditation and visualization. So I'd done a little bit of meditation in the past and, and visualization, honestly, if you'd said that to me like two years ago, I would have said, like, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. No one, no one's actually doing that. Um, and then I started reading a little bit more about it, getting taught about it. And then I saw a stat like 90%, over 90% of Olympic athletes um, use visualization before like the last games yeah. or something. So I was like, okay, well, I mean, if the guys at the top of their sport are doing it, why, why am I not doing it? Um, yeah, so 
so I got into it about two or three months ago and and honestly it just made me the biggest thing for it I think is being able to play tennis in the present so if I lost a point you know tennis is about tolerating being able to tolerate losing points you know the best guys in the world only win 55% of their points in their careers you know that, yeah. that's Djokovic fed like yeah. the best guys in our sport um so tennis is a lot of the sport is to deal with with losing and I guess I not a very good loser, basically, um, and and visualization then came into how, and I would do it before a match. So it was how I wanted to see myself perform that day, what shots I wanted to use, how I wanted to act, um, and and it became really strong. So the match that I ended up winning uh, was seven six in the third. I was six yeah. one down in the tiebreak. Wow. Um, I played a really good match. Or six one down. No, sorry, five one down. And I won the next six um, points in a row. Wow. And, and honestly, like, it, the thing that I, I just, I was so in the present. I was like, okay, I can still do this. Was so super good with my routines. And then when I won, like, one or two points, I actually looked down the other end. And that guy was, I could see that guy super nervous. Yeah. You know, so where before in that situation, maybe I would have been looking at myself, like, so focused on myself that I, I would have blown up. And then, and then, yeah, like six, five up in the tie break, second serve, I ran around inside in forehand, hit a winner, and that, and that was it, you know. But yeah. like, but my reaction, like I didn't, I didn't lose my mind or anything. I was like, okay, that's that's one step, and we go yeah. again, you know. Yeah. So, I I just like overcame a lot of a lot of demons, really. You know, I'd never experienced like losing so many matches in a row before. It was a really difficult time, um, but I think it was a really good time to learn learn about myself you know so now I use meditation daily in the morning to start my day off uh, okay. and, and then using visualization as well in this time when I can't get out on court at least it's at least it's something to do that I can vision myself hitting tennis balls how the ball feels all, all that stuff I think I think it's really powerful yeah um I'm interested then in as well um so before the lockdown how, how did you feel about your game obviously you had a couple of, of wins recently mm-hmm. so how were you feeling um, about kind of the months ahead at that stage honestly really good um yeah it was the it was the best tennis that i'd probably played in a while um, yeah. and even the the first match i lost in portugal i played the number one seed um it was three and three but i played yeah. a really like the level was really really high so even though i lost that match and it was yeah. another loss i knew i knew my level was there that i yeah. just had to be patient and, yeah. and i won the doubles that week so i knew it was kind of good and, and yeah, I, I came through a couple of tough matches. Um, so I was like really looking forward to continue playing because I, I, I thought I was in a good place. Obviously, came at a came at a tough time then having to stop, but, that, but that's fine. Yeah, I guess hopefully you can pick up where you, where you left off then whenever we do get back and, you know, and, yeah, and, I think, and feel good again. Yeah, I, th- I think like, you know, I won't have too high expectations when I come back on court. Obviously, I've not actually really hit a tennis ball. But yeah. I think I'm pretty pretty relaxed about that feeling anyway. I think if you can be in a relaxed, free space on the court, you know that's when you play your most dangerous. When you're when yeah. you're thinking too much, and I have a really active mind, but when you're thinking too much on the court, that's when that's when it can get difficult. Yeah, um, and I think what's interesting about it about this situation is that you know it's not just you that hasn't hit a ball in in weeks. Yeah. You know, it's going to be probably eighty percent of at least of the guys you know in any event. So it it really will be everyone will be. Kind of coming back into it and seeing how they can <clears throat> seeing how they can feel. Yeah, for sure. Like you know, some people maybe are are lucky they have a tennis court down the road or a tennis court yeah. at their house or 
you know, some people are sneaking into tennis yeah. sports maybe, but, but yeah, the majority, you know, haven't hit any tennis balls. So it's, it's what you're doing in this time that, that can help you improve, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just want to go back then to back in time a bit. So wh- where did tennis kind of start for you? And, and when did you kind of realize that you, you know, was there a moment that you realized you wanted to pursue tennis, you know, as, as a career choice instead of just a kind of a hobby? Was yeah. there a moment when, when you kind of made that decision? Yeah. So tennis started for me from a really young age, like four or five. Um, okay. So my mom, my mom and dad both played. So my mom was a really good player. She played junior Wimbledon twice. Um, was like 14 when she played Fed Cup. So I had a lot to live oh, up yeah. to. My dad picked tennis up later. Uh, was, still, was still a reasonable club player. And then my granddad was also a coach. So my whole family was super sporty. And then I had a, a big tennis aspect to it. Um, but they never, they never forced me to play when I was younger. Um, I played a lot of other sports. And I actually played rugby until um, I was 16, until I went out to Spain. Yeah, okay. Um, just because I love team, team sport. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, tennis, you know, I had a very normal normal life. I moved to Dublin when I was 10. So I lived in Dublin for two years um, when I was training at the National, the National Centre at DC, okay. uh, which was very young. So I, I, I then struggled, yeah. came back home, and, and then just went to high school um, for the next three or four years. And you know, played tennis max like four times a week. And, you know, that was out of those four days, it was like an hour and a half, probably two of those days. And the other two days I went down to Dublin and maybe did like a evening training with the Malahide team. And then with Stephen McNugent uh, on a Sunday, they had a, they had a squad there. And maybe, maybe I played a league match on a, on a Saturday or something. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, I really enjoyed my tennis. I knew, I knew it was better at tennis than rugby, even though I enjoyed enjoy playing the rugby and my first my first uh goal was actually to to go to college in america um, okay yeah so so I, so I got my gcse's done then i went out to spain and the plan was to do two years out in spain um before i went to college um but actually like a, not many people know that actually my last exam i actually i actually failed my last exam so when i was out in spain i was doing homeschooling and i was studying by myself and i was still traveling yeah. So basically, I was just a stubborn, stubborn like seventeen, eighteen year old boy that thought I could do everything at work by myself. You know. Yeah. We're looking back now. I I realized like, geez, Pete, like that was a lot to handle. Should have come home, studied, got the grades, and then and then I could have gone out to college. Yeah. Because um, because I I took a couple of recruiting trips out there and and like trust me, there different different level facilities uh, out there. So yeah, so then after that, I spoke to a couple of coaches about red shirting, um, and yeah, just one like one coach really didn't sell it for me. Um, just you know said I couldn't travel with a team, couldn't really train with a team. I wasn't going to be able to do much. I didn't have any scholarship. Um, so I thought, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to go. Um, and and everything was set up like two days i think after i got my last results okay. i was meant to fly out so like mm. all my kit was already ordered in uh everything everything was sorted so yeah. so that was so that was a massive uh massive moment in my life basically um i don't think i left my room for like four days when i was back home like i was just my head was gone i was distraught and yeah. and then it was my next thought was okay how am i going to bounce back from that or what am i going to do next and my level wasn't good enough to play 
pro that's why I was going to go to college yeah but then I thought well okay I don't really want to go to university at home or or coach just yet so I'm going to give it a go I'm going to try play um so yeah then later that year is when I started playing I went back to Spain and and then started playing a few futures just to just see how I could get on yeah so how were those first few months I guess and maybe first year or two like how, how did you find that transition then into into some pro events yeah to start to start with not too bad like I picked up my first point uh, within the first year I think and, and made the final um, in the Irish Open um, me and Dave O'Hare lost to Freddie Nielsen in the head Corey so like like tough tough match yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah so like straight away I was like okay like I can actually I can I can hang with these boys um, yeah a bit and you know, and I, and I always was like one of the hardest workers. So like, you know, as soon as I went back to Spain, like my head was down and the practice court, like I was a bit of an animal on the practice court and still am like love, love that high intensity, intensity training. And I yeah. knew I was behind a lot of these boys. So I'm going to have to work 10 times harder to be any good. Um, and then, yeah, I did all right. I got to about 1200, a thousand. And then I kind of hit a bit of a sticky patch. Um, yeah, just uh, for a while, I got I got stuck at that ranking, um, and I think it's a little bit to do with belief. Um, you know, did I really believe at that time that I could go deeper in tournaments? You know, a lot of the times I was qualifying in, maybe winning a match yeah. two was probably my best. Um, and I probably look back now thinking, and actually to do with mindset, if I was doing meditation visualization back then, it would have helped me a lot. Um, to have more belief back then that I could go deeper in the tournaments. So I think for a, for like a year, I kind of got stuck around there and didn't necessarily believe that okay. I could beat, beat the top guys in the draw. And then I started uh, doing a little bit better in doubles and then doubles gave me a bit more confidence and, and then confidence eventually came um, on the singles court. Um, but I, I think it's, it, it's tough because you know, you want to try to get few, through futures as quickly as possible. You know, you don't yeah. want to be hanging around futures too long. You know, there's a lot of guys that are unprofessional out there and you, you don't want to be stuck around that, you know. Um, so so it was difficult, but obviously eventually I did process up the rankings a little bit higher again and, and have a lot more success. Yeah, so from that period, I was looking back um, at a few results and I was I saw um, you've played Medvedev and Sistipas yeah. back um, yeah. where they, I guess, were, were top 10, which they are now. So I'm interested, I mean, at the time, would you have noticed anything about them? Would you have had any inclination uh, you know, they might have gone on to, mm. you know, to, to the top this quickly? Or was it like any other match for you? Um, yeah, so like, I think now, like there's something like I've played like 10, 11 guys that are all top 100, wow. which, is, which yeah. is mad. Um, Medvedev was a funny one uh, I wouldn't have said I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought it like the guy was crazy talented to hit the ball so hard it was unbelievable but I actually went 4-1 up against it, or 4 love or 4-1 okay and then the guy smashed a racket and started tanking and I lost 4-1 and one. so I was like what is going on here like like, yeah. I, like obviously I got a little bit tight I think he was one or two seed you know he was he yeah, was very good yeah. he was 18 19 and 350 or something 400 yeah. um but yeah, he literally smashed a racket and like 30 minutes later I was, I'd lost. And I was like, how is that possible? Uh, and then Titi Pass. Yeah, I played him in Greece. I think he was number one in the world junior at the time. Okay. Um, wow. And yeah, for me, like in the warm-up, he, 
he, again, he was hitting the ball super like as soon as I fed the first ball in for the warm-up he like hit the ball like super fast onto the baseline and we were playing on quick courts and I like shanked it onto like the next court and I was like I looked at my brother like is he gonna play at this tempo like the whole time or or what and uh I think it was like five and two maybe okay yeah Some, something like that um so I did oh, I did hang yeah. with him um and have a few chances actually in the first set but but yeah, at that time, he was serving really, really well. Like, I think he served 12, 13 aces against me. Um, yeah, the serve got him out of trouble. And he, I could, for him, I could kind of tell that he was he was going to be good. But I don't think yeah. I could tell that he was going to be that good or, yeah. or, or that progress soon that quickly. Well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I think two years later or something, then he was, then he was top 20 or something. I don't yeah. know exactly. But, but yeah, he, he progressed pretty quickly, to be fair. Yeah, no, it must be interesting to have those experiences kind of to look back, you know, with those players that we're also familiar with now. Um, and this interest, yeah. well, no, go ahead. Yeah, you gonna... I was, yeah, I was going to say, but I think back then, again, like that's where I didn't really have the belief as well, you know? Yeah, okay. With, the, with those guys were when I played Rude more recently in Davis Cup, I had yeah. a bit better feeling about myself. Like, you know, actually, maybe I can, maybe I can push this guy. You know, yeah, so I think, yeah. I think it's a huge, it's a huge mental thing as well. Yeah, um, I'm interested. What, what's the the hardest thing, in your opinion, about life on tour, just playing tennis? Um, well, for some people, it's it's trying to deal with the money. You know, some people don't handle yeah. handle that well and and think about that when they're traveling, and that's that's the last thing you wanna you wanna be thinking about. Um, yeah. But I think um, being by yourself, you know, you're on the road a lot by yourself. Um, you know, you you know a lot of guys at the tournament and stuff, but it's a little bit different to having family around or your or your mates around. You know, it's, yeah. it's great when you have other Irish guys at the tournament and you can train together, use each other to watch each other. Um, but obviously, it's so expensive to travel with a coach. Um, so yeah, I think just loneliness and and traveling can be quite tough. You know, through a couple of the different time zones or um, just you know play one tournament, traveling straight to the next. You know, maybe you have yeah. a day or half a day till you're playing again. It, it can be quite tough. It, it's it's tiring, I would say. Um, and then on the other side of that, what, what what's your your favorite thing about the the lifestyle? Just, oh, I mean, playing a sport I love, being able to compete, and 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 also being able to travel. Then actually traveling the world as well and seeing other different countries is is super cool. And I think yeah. then you. Get, you realize how grateful you are when you go to certain places, uh, which is nice. Um, yeah, no, I just want to talk a bit about um, Irish Open 2018, which probably mm-hmm. um, is something you obviously look back on quite fondly. So, how do you? Well, I'm just asking, going into the week, how did you feel? Because obviously it was a you know it was a big breakout um, winning the title. How did you feel going into it? Yeah, to be honest, I actually don't really remember how I felt going in uh that time I was training that that year I was back home training in Dublin um, okay. so I was working with with Gary Cahill um out of DCU uh I, I think I was I was, think I was feeling all right going into the tournament um I, like for me it's the it's my favorite thing playing playing the Irish Open at home you know that and playing Davis Cup were was yeah. the only professional tennis I got to see as a as a boy so when growing up, that's all I wanted to do was play Davis Cup and try to do well in the Irish Open, um, you know, because we don't have any bigger tournaments. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think going into the tournament, um, yeah, I was feeling all right, I think. 
I can, uh, to be honest, I yeah. can't actually really remember. Um, yeah, so obviously then it, it turned out um, a bit more than all right. So what, what's your kind of memory from, from the, like what, what kind of memories do you take away from, from that week? Yeah, well, uh, let's see. First round, I think, was pretty solid, pretty routine. Played a, played a pretty solid match. I think I was playing a big lefty from Sweden. Um, did a good job. Yeah. yeah, and then second round, I was a double breakdown in the third, four-one, um, to Joel Canal, an English guy who was playing really, really well that day. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I just dug, I just dug deep. Like literally, I was yeah. like, okay, I'm gonna make every single ball here. He's gonna have to beat me. And then he got a little bit tight. Uh, <laughs> and then yeah, I won six-four in the third. And then that match actually just gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah. Um, again, played a, I think, yeah, I played. Uh, Volchak's a French guy in the quarters, uh, and I think it was like six and four, five and four. And it, some, it was tight, mm. but when the big points came, I felt really confident about myself. And, and then same in the semis, I played an English guy, Josh Paris, and, and I actually think like throughout the week, I actually don't think I played the best tennis. Like I've definitely played better tennis in different tournaments and haven't won the tournaments, which is yeah. which is yeah. mad. And um, but that week, mentally, I was just so good. Like, nothing was getting to me. I was so in the present playing, and I was just fighting so hard. And, and I think that was the, that was the biggest takeaway. Because the final, I was so nervous. Like, you know, I'd, I'd never experienced anything like that before. It was on TV. You know, yeah. everyone's coming out to watch me try win the Irish Open. No, like, no Irish player had won it since McGee in 2012, I think. Mm. So, yeah, I was, yeah. like trying not to think about it but obviously I was feeling a, a lot of pressure uh, and I think like you could you could tell from the start of the match I was I, I was nervous but I and, and actually I think I went up in the final I think I took a I went a break up or maybe serve for the yeah. first set gag like probably gagged that service game um, and then yeah see it like same thing like second set I just I just dug deep tried to find a way and uh, and then the crowd really helped me for the third set because um, obviously it was a pretty long week. Um, but then I remember Story, the guy I was playing in the final, he yeah. was tiring a little bit. So I knew just, yeah, just dig down, dig deep, fight hard, be there for every point. You know, I, I think being there for every point was the reason I won the tournament. It's as simple as that. I don't think I played necessarily my best tournament. I know I wasn't serving that well. Off the ground, I was hitting my forehand and coming forward really well um but yeah i think i think mentality won me the tournament that way um yeah no because i i was there a couple of the days and i was kind of watching a few of the matches obviously the final included i remember though i was playing a junior event in in leopardstown the same week and then i'd i'd finish my match um hop on the lewis across to to carrick mines and i'd i'd come down and um i remember the well first of all i remember that match that second round one where you were well down Mm. and you know easily obviously could have could have not, not yeah. come through that one. But, but something else that um, sticks in my memory, I can't remember, I think it was the semi-final maybe, it was, um, it was kind of a controversial, but I remember you had, you had, you had won a point and then you celebrated mm-hmm. and then the umpire said that you'd oh, celebrated yeah, too I, early and you'd hindered him. Yeah, I remember, I remember that. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, yeah, I think it was, I hit a volley winner or something, right? And yeah. then I got the pump out like a little bit too early and yeah. then he was like, yeah, you hindered your, yeah. you hindered Josh or something. And I was like, come on, man, he was two feet away from the ball in the corner. There's no way he's getting that back. Yeah. Um, but I think then in the final, I actually, 
I did like something similar or so uh, like yeah, I, I think, remember I, I think, think in the final like yeah. there was like a neck cord or something and yeah. then I like said something and then I like just didn't swing for the ball and then the um because I had the same umpire and then he yeah. was like taking the mick out of me because he's like you can't hinder yourself and I was like all right yeah decent yeah cheers you know I remember a couple of those you know those issues but I guess it was just you were you know I remember that the, you know the crowd being really good obviously giving you a mm. lot of support and, and I guess did that kind of just help you overcome those those kind of that you know that, that, that adversity that you had maybe with the umpire or with, with certain things but do you yeah. think that 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 the, the support you had there that obviously you wouldn't have in your typical tournament. Do you, do you think that's a lot of what made the difference yeah. and, and, and oh. helped you get through it? Yeah, I mean, I love, like, anyone that knows me or work with me knows I love playing in front of a crowd. I always thrive off that way more. Like, a yeah. serious, I, I, I could struggle, like, out in court 12 in Tunisia when a man and his dog's watching yeah. me, but if I'm playing Davis Cup or on centre court at home in the Irish Open, like, I feed off that crowd. It's kind of like I want to, I want to show, I want to show off a little bit, like kind of like that, you know, I want to play well to show people how well I can play, yeah, that kind yeah. of, that kind of vibe. And and I think the louder they are or the energy they give me, like you, you've obviously watched me play a few times, like I'm quite loud on court, yeah. putting it politely, like quite fiery, uh, like, the, you know, like a bit of aggro sometimes. Um, so yeah, I really, I really do enjoy when there's a little bit of atmosphere or crowd watching, I, I thrive off that energy. Um, yeah, no, for sure. No, I, I, I'm interested then. Um, how, how do you look back on um, 2019's tournament? Kind of being defending champion. How did you, how, you know? Did you have pressure to do with that, or how, how did that tournament? How do you feel that one? Yeah. Um, obviously, there was like slightly different feeling because I knew I was defending a lot of points that week. Yeah. But actually, I felt I actually felt really good going in. Um, I uh, yeah. I, I, I was in a really good headspace and I feel really comfortable on those courts. I think they're, they're quite nice artificial grass courts to play on as artificial yeah. grass goes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I know like, and I, I know no one really wanted to play me there as well. So going out in court, like, did I play the same guy first round or some, or something similar? I think I played okay. the same guy first round. Okay. And I remember actually being in the locker room and he was like, and I overheard him saying, oh, no, not this guy again. Like, there's one person you don't want to play, and, and, and I played him again. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I, had a, I had a good feeling going in. And then, obviously, I lost to Simon um, in yeah. the quarters. Um, and I think, like, at that time, I think I played the better match. I just didn't execute that well. He, to be fair to him, he, he hung in. Because I think I was, I was up a lot in the first set. I can't remember exactly what I was up um in the first set and then he to be fair to him uh he dug in he dug in well um to stay with me so yeah that, yeah that's all i can say was, but i, I yeah. think like it was a fun match um to play you know there was a lot of people out watching for like a quarter final yeah like, you know midday during the week like a lot of people came out and it was definitely a lot of fun you know yeah because no, obviously it was a bit unfortunate you know the two irish kind of you know the home support had to yeah. face each other but i guess it was it, it did produce a, a really good match for, for those that were there yeah. i mean i have to probably say he probably got a little bit more of me being an ulsterman playing down in dublin you know <laughs> they were a bit biased and <laughs> <laughs> um, you know just have a, a few more questions for you peter um thanks very much um obviously for your time um no what, what, what's your your favorite place you've ever played tennis Favorite place? 
Well, I was lucky. I've played, um, I, pl- I played Sterry Cup for Fitzwilliam at Wimbledon okay. uh, on the grass, which right. was obviously it wasn't a tournament and just a club match. But yeah, I mean, goosebumps, like unbelievable. Um, tournament wise, I'd have to say like my favorite tournament is probably the Irish Open. Like it's one of the best futures that's definitely run. You get really looked after. A lot of people come out and watch. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 definitely up there with one of my favorite tournaments. Um, yeah, so so that Sterry Cup was that twenty nineteen you played that? Uh, yeah, twenty nineteen played there, and then twenty yeah twenty eighteen I think I played the year before in in Fitzwilliam. Okay, so it's like a a, a Fitz team against a a team from Wimbledon. Yeah, so, so you're, every you're year on, it's yeah yeah it's been going on for quite a quite a while now. Um, you know, Wimby obviously they can. They could bring out whoever they want, really. Yeah. Um, but the level, of, their level is really high. Um, so I think, like, this year I was playing with James Kluskey. Uh, we were playing number one doubles. And their number one doubles was Colin Fleming and Lee Childs. So, like, Flambeau was obviously, like, top 50 yeah. dubs. And Lee Childs was, was top 200 singles and doubles, for sure. So, you know, like, it's good. Really good level. Yeah, and, and the, I guess... It was just really special to be in in Wimbledon. You were you were on some of the courts that you know that they'd play play Wimbledon. Like you were on those those grass. Yeah, so we played on five, six, and seven, which is just outside centre court on the far on the far oh, side. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's oh, it's it's quality. You know, like you get to use the locker rooms, all that stuff. You know, it's yeah. it's pretty cool. Have you been to Wimbledon during the tournament to watch it before? Yeah, I've I've been a couple of times. I've uh, been twice watching, and then actually another time I went with Simon Carr. Um, uh, yeah, I came back from a tournament and he was playing Junior Wimby. Um, oh yeah. And then I came to watch his qualifying match, which is which is c- kind of bad because they they hold they hosted at Roehampton. Oh yeah. Um, which is a bit annoying, but um, then yeah, he asked that I want to stay, and it was the week before Irish Open, so I was like. Yeah, I can hit a bit at Wimby. You know, grass is similar. I was like, I mean, I can't, I can't not. So yeah, we yeah. we hung out in uh, in London that week, which was which was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I, I was down as his like coach, which was hilarious. <laughs> I was getting my credentials because I actually knew I knew the lady behind the desk. I think she worked for like Tennis Scotland, so she's she's yeah definitely refereed some of my turn- tournaments before. And she was like, Hey, Peter, how are you? I was like, Yeah, hi, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that must have been re- really, really nice. Obviously, um, if, if you could give some advice to to junior players, what, what advice would you uh, give them? I think um, being really clear on the on the process, um, you know, process over outcome. Always, it's a tennis is a long journey. Even now, you know, I've talked about how much I'm improving or trying to improve. Um, you're always learning. Um, and you know the best guys in the world right now are still are still learning. The game's evolving, you know. Uh, and then I think being, you know, really clear on goals or how you want to go about your tennis, what you want to do with your tennis, being really clear on that, I think is really important. Um, and I don't think you have to necessarily go crazy um, individual when you're when you're younger. You know, you can play other things, and I think it's good to good to play other sports when you're younger. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything you'd do differently if you were could go back to, and so I know you mentioned obviously that US college situation. Yeah. Well, have, yeah. I mean, I would definitely come home for the last six months and, yeah. and uh, get that done. Cause yeah, before that, all my grades in school were fine, uh, which was a killer. Uh, so yeah, I think 
looking back, I, I definitely should have come home six months, nine months before before that, get get my grades all sorted to go out to college. Because I think, you know, for me, that would have been the perfect the perfect scenario. I didn't play too much ITF um, in juniors. Yeah. Um, you know, so the States for four years, playing a load of matches, high pressure matches is exactly what you need. I think like a lot of guys that do well in college come out on the futures and they get through the futures tour quickly because yeah. there's so much tight. Um, and I think that is something that I definitely missed out on, you know, the first two, three years in, on the futures tour that's what i was trying to do trying to treat it like college so i knew my game was still improving i was not worried too worried about results um but then i think that's also kind of difficult because then i spent i spent quite a long time in futures which is which is then difficult you know yeah. everyone talks about trying to get out of futures as quickly as possible yeah um so you mentioned earlier how you play um play for malahide for a few years um and you still you still do that, I know. So, what why do you still play those DLCC events, and and, and what's your favorite thing about them? Yeah, I mean, like honestly, t like the team aspect is class. I love it, yeah. um, and I I think I played since I was thirteen because Mick and Steve Nugent coached me um, until I went till I left for Spain. Um, so they got me into the club, into the club young, and yeah, I mean, I remember before i actually played on the first yeah so i played thir 13 i played and I, I started on the third team so i started in class i think class three two okay. or three. i'm not exactly sure maybe it was cl class two because it was like premier one two back then mm. and i remember i actually remember Greystones against malhide and it was unbelievable level because like Greystones at the time, yeah. it was when it was six singles, three doubles. So like oh, yeah. Botel, Fitzgerald, Tommy Hamilton, like the level was really yeah. good. So I thought like, and I, and I love, like I said, like I love the team aspect um, and it's really, and, and obviously it's matches at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, I loved, and, and Malahead had a really good team, team spirit there. Like, for a few years, every Thursday, we drove down and had a team practice. So the first, um, the top three teams, men's teams in Malahide, had a practice okay. every Thursday evening at Enzo. Um, and we always used to train together. So, you know, I got a lot of good friendships from that. Um, so I think like, yeah, the DLTC is a, it's a, you know, league tennis is class. I, I really do. I, like I think, and I think when I was younger as well, playing men, it's a really good thing to learn from, you know, because yeah. you, you can't outpower them or they might not be technically as good as you, maybe me playing class two or three, but they, they're making lots of tennis ball. You know, they're yeah. tricky yeah. to beat. So yeah. you're learning a lot about yourself or learning a lot about the game in those situations. So I think it, it helped me improve from a young age. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what's your, your best shot or your favorite shot? Are they the same or would you have maybe something? I mean, if I could hit, forehand on every single shot i would take it sir like get rid hit a forehand instead of starting the point <laughs> with a serve like yeah everything i would yeah i mean uh i'd probably say inside out forehand like that yeah. is the it's actually like the most important shot in tennis but yeah i mean i think like i just remember mick nugent used to just feed me three forehands in a row so like one out to the right hand side one in the middle and one out to the left and just do baskets of that. So like, yeah. I used to just love cranking forehands. And I think like anyone that watches me, you know, they always say like, 
I get his forehand is or like that's his that's his go-to shot so yeah yeah I mean I just want to crank forehands all day yeah <laughs> simple as that yeah no I, I, I love a single-handed backhand actually like watching them I think it's so mm. it's it's just it's so much nicer than a double-handed to watch at least for sure like how, how did that come about for you how did you get a single-handed yeah I actually started with two um because I was pretty small uh obviously I'm not blessed with <laughs> the greatest of height um yeah, so when I was younger, I don't think I was strong enough. Um, and I could never hit my double-handed backhand cross-court. I could always, I could hit it line pretty well. But I just, I, I don't know why, I just never could use my left my left hand. Yeah. So I couldn't get any spin on the ball. I was just like bunting it across. And I think, yeah, I was like 10, 10 or 11. I think, yeah, no, 10. And, uh, and, I, and I just said to my dad, I was like, I want to. I want to have a single backhand, and I started hitting it, and I and my dad was like, "Yeah, like looks all right, doesn't it?" And I was like, "Yeah, it feels unreal." And I probably at the time I probably thought, "Yeah, I look class." Probably looked <laughs> terrible, but in my head I was like, "I look class." So, and that yeah, I just stuck with it. Obviously, super super tough for for a while, especially like when you're younger, tens, twelves, fourteens. Everyone just plays high to your backhand, just moonballing yeah. to the backhand. So it was it was tough for a while, but yeah, yeah. Um, and the final question: what, What's your your favorite thing about tennis? Do you have something you could just um, just competing? Like I love I love competing. I'm super competitive in like anything I do, whether it's I don't know Monopoly right now at home. <laughs> uh, I'll throw a tantrum if I don't win, or yeah, I just I just like being out there. Um, those pressure, those pressure that the environment when there's a lot of pressure on you. I just I enjoy that feeling. Um, especially on the singles court when it's just you, you know, you're, you're in control, you're in control out there. So you, you know, all the pressure's on you. And I think it's a nice, it's a nice feeling when you get through that. It can be horrible if you, if you, if it doesn't go well in those situations, but you know, when you, when you do get a ride, it feels, it feels great. Um, you know, I almost forgot to ask, I think you have a, a funny story you're willing to share. Do you? I nearly, I nearly forgot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You wanted, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, go on then. Well, speaking of, pressure um so yeah like at, at solo we do a lot of training when there there's forfeits based on it mm. and um i think it was like last set it was the last drill of the day or something i was playing um this hungarian girl panna Udvardi, who's maybe 350 wta or something and i don't know we were playing like a first to 10 and i had to get to 10 and she had to get to like six or seven and we, we had to put something on it and i was like I think it was maybe Friday, it was Friday, it was Friday evening. So I was like, all right, yeah, she can cook the rest of my meals for the weekend because quite a few players lived in the apartment together. Yeah. And she was like, all right, yeah, fine. And then she was like, okay, if I win, you have to wear one of my dresses. And I was like, Phew. I was like, okay, well, 100%, I back myself. Yeah. And I think I lost, I think, she, I think it was like nine and she got the seven before I got the 10 or something. Yeah. So I was like, oh, no. So anyway, like, I, I I lost. Um, so yeah, the next day or that evening, she's like gone into her wardrobe, or whatever, picked out like a nice tennis dress, <laughs> and then luckily I only had to wear it for one session, and we were doing an early session. So I thought, unreal, no one's gonna see me. So like it's uh, yeah, we're going in for seven thirty, seven forty-five. Yeah. Honestly, I've never been so scared in my life. I'm I'm sweating walking down the street. And then, um, like, three or four cars drive past because, like, in Spain, the nightlife's super late. 
So like guys are like everyone's only going out at like one a.m. So they were coming back from the nightclub, all stopping and whistling at me as I was walking down the road like to the tennis club. And I was like, oh, this is the worst moment of my life. And actually, it's like like my coach took a picture of me, so it's on the Instagram on Soto somewhere. And the worst part was that his wife um, sent me a text later that day saying how great my legs looked in the dress. <laughs> so yeah, it was a. <laughs> It was a tough day. I mean, I've definitely embarrassed myself well there, but but yeah. That's the one you might want to forget, but but maybe you won't be able to. Yeah, it's tough. All right. Well, it was the first one that came to my mind, so it's yeah. obviously not easy to forget. Yeah. I, I wish. Yeah. I, wish I had a switch where I could just get get rid of it. Yeah. Um. You know, I think we'll leave it there. So, uh, thanks so much uh, for your time, Peter, for for answering um my questions today. Thanks. Thanks very much. No really, worries. Really, really enjoyed really it. And thanks. Uh, thanks for following. Uh, Irish tennis as well and, and promoting it as much as you can you know it's really nice we all can travel together to see everyone's results you know it, and we can then message each other how we're, how we're doing so yeah no, I really appreciate it and I've listened to all the other podcasts while I've been <laughs> out gardening and stuff yeah. so they've been, they've been good listens so I've enjoyed that so thanks go. well thank you, you know, it's, my, it's, my, it's my pleasure to, to follow it all so th- yeah thanks very much Thanks very much to Peter for his time today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Irish Tennis Updates podcast. I hope you have uh, enjoyed us. If you did, um, I'd really appreciate if you could tell a friend about us, um, subscribe to the channel, um, leave a review, leave a comment um, if you think it's worth it. Um, yep, yeah, so I hope you all are doing okay during the lockdown. Um, coping all right. There might be some some light at the end of the tunnel at this point so hopefully we can go back to tennis before too long um yep so stay safe i've been adam until next time goodbye